Resilient Solutions, Episode 8, Six Tactics to Crush the Fear of Criticism. How do you handle that dreaded fear of criticism? That thing that nearly every human hates is to be criticized. Hello, my name is John Thurman, and welcome to my shortcast, Resilient Solutions, where I help you become more resilient in your personal life, your relationships, your business endeavors, and your faith. And today I'll be discussing six proven tactics you can use to crush the fear of criticism. Hey, don't we all kind of fear the fear of criticism? None of us like to hear criticism. Today I want to share with you some lessons taken from probably one of the most controversial yet beloved presidents of the United States. A president who is hated and loved by the public, by the press, and by members of the Senate and the House of Representatives. His views regarding war and slavery, as well as his efforts to keep the country united, were met with both condemnation and rejection. And yet, President Abraham Lincoln was one of the most, and is one of the most, revered and respected presidents who ever lived. And yet, he can give us some great lessons on how to deal with the fear of criticism. Listen now to this excerpt from my book, The No Fear Entrepreneur, read by my friend Dan Rosecrantz. Be sure to come back after that and find out the six tactics you can use to defeat criticism. During his presidency, Abraham Lincoln was greatly respected and greatly reviled. Blamed for plunging this nation into a civil war, he was the president the people loved to hate. Those who opposed his views regarding the war in slavery, as well as his efforts to keep them united, were vocal and uninhibited in denouncing him. One day, during one of the darkest periods of his presidency, Lincoln was walking down a street near the Capitol in Washington, when an acquaintance caught up with him. As they walked, the man brought up the subject of the growing anti-Lincoln sentiment flowing in Washington and throughout the country. With brutal honesty, the man related to Lincoln many of the stories outlining attacks on Lincoln and his policies. As the man spoke, Lincoln remained completely silent and absorbed in his own thoughts. Then Lincoln stopped, looked directly at the man, and said, Yes, I have heard you, but let me tell you a story. You know that it is the habit of all dogs to come at the night and bark and bark and bark at the moon. This keeps on as long as the moon is clearly visible in the sky. Then he stopped speaking and continued his walk. Confused by Lincoln's response, his exasperated companion persisted, Mr. Lincoln, you haven't finished your story. Tell me the rest of it. Once again, Lincoln stopped walking and said, There's nothing more to say. The moon keeps right on shining. President Lincoln is an excellent role model for managing criticism. Although he was aware of his shortcomings and knew many highly respected and influential people disagreed with him, the president listened to the criticism and followed his own intuitive sense that his policies would eventually win over critics and unify the country. One of life's challenging realities is that there are always people around who are fault finders, people who seldom see the good but are quick to point out the negative. Like Abraham Lincoln, all of us need to find ways of hearing criticism without being detracted or destroyed by it. Thank you, Dan. It's a little bit humbling to hear the words that you've written read by someone else. I really love the fact that Abraham Lincoln had to deal with this, and he dealt with in a very honest, truthful, yet humble manner. 
The fear of criticism is an enormous challenge for every human being. I love what Dr. Seuss said. Be who you are and say what you feel because the ones who mind don't matter and the ones who matter don't mind. Great little word. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been caught in the mind trap of, if I'm perfect for my actions, then no one will criticize me? Ha! No one's perfect and they will criticize you. The issue is, what are you going to do with it? We know this for a fact. There are at least four things that the fear of criticism will do in your life. Number one, the fear of criticism may force you to give up your dream. It may force you to cancel your why in order to be part of a group. The second thing, playing it safe by holding your cards close and minimizing any risk. Third, being overly defensive when good people offer helpful and constructive criticism. And finally, Kind of the flip side of that is becoming shy and introverted out of a fear that others might not want to hear your opinion, so you just keep it to yourself. I'm not sure what your dreams are. I'm not sure where you want to be in life, but I do know from research and my own personal life, one of the biggest things that's holding you back is that fear of criticism. What would your parents think? What would your friends think? What would your spouse think? What would others think? Well, with that in mind, let me give you six crystal clear kinetic tactics that you can use to push back the fear of criticism. Here's the first one. Tip number one, tactic number one. People are going to criticize you no matter what you do. So I give them an opportunity to talk about it. They're going to talk. As you grow, as you and I become more visible, engaged in life, as we share our gifts, our experience, and our expertise, someone's going to take a shot at us. Someone will criticize And as you step into this adventure of pursuing your dreams, of experiencing resilience and hope and growth in a post-COVID world, you'll do one of two things. Number one, and not a great option, you'll gripe, complain, and moan and groan. And you can choose to stay in that complain, moan, and groan stage, but it'll get you nowhere but more misery because after all, my mama used to say that misery absolutely loves company. But there is another option. And I hope you'll take that one. Option number two, accept the fact that people will be critical, which doesn't mean you have to like it or let people walk over you. Once you've done that, then take what you need and dismiss the rest. In other words, hear the criticisms, evaluate them based on what they're saying, evaluate them as far as things that you can apply, and then move on. Tactic number two, learn to look inside and really discover the beautiful person that God created you to be. You are made in his image. He gave you dreams, gifts, ideas, expertise, and opportunity. You see, people live between two lies. The first one is that our sense of self-esteem should be based on our performance. Now, incidentally, while your performance needs to be in a good place at work, it does not mean anything as your relationship to God because God sees you as a person of infinite value and worth just because you are. So that first lie is that our sense of self-esteem should be based on our performance. The second great lie is that our self-esteem is based on what others think about us. Folks, that's a lie straight out of the pit. If you believe that, you're going to live in a rested, limited life. Now, while it is important to be the best employee you can be in the workplace, That has nothing to do with healthy self-esteem. Matter of fact, a healthy self-esteem is based on God's love for me. He knows how bad I can screw things up, and yet he chooses to love me and be a dynamic, integrated force in my life, if I allow him to be. 
He gives me a purposeful living. He gives me a vision. He gives me the insight. He's given me the gifts and he's given me the power. Tactic number three, listen to your inner critic from time to time and disagree. You want to learn to challenge your thought life. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verses 3 through 5, we read that we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Paul used a military term here when he talked about this warfare with sin and our thought life. You see, God must be our leader. He must be the boss. He must be the Lord, even in our thought life. The idea here is that we are to walk circumspectly. That means we're to be situationally aware of what's going on around us, what's coming in our head, how we're monitoring our thought life. It means that we are responsible to know when we are at risk, when we can be tempted, When these thoughts, even self-defeating thoughts, come to mind, we need to capture it and give it to Jesus. In my world as a cognitive behavioral positive psychology, work-life consultant and therapist, we talk about the ATCs. What are the activating events? What are the thoughts behind them? And what are the consequences? And as we learn to walk circumspectly, we begin to realize that, hey, my thought life isn't where it needs to be. I need to make some adjustments. So when we're exposed to toxic thinking or toxic behaviors, we always have a choice. My challenge to you is to realize the danger, see what those self-defeating thoughts and attitudes are, and with God's help, change them to things that will build you up and not tear you down. Tactic number four. Remember, you are the adult. And you always get to choose how you feel. You always get to choose how you're going to respond to a criticism. So choose wisely. Tactic number five. Don't be intimidated by criticism because it's just a part of life. When you hear criticism, look for the kernel of wisdom in the criticism. Seek the kernel of truth that the critic is bringing out to light. When people who love you are critical, trust that they love you and have your best interest in heart. Cut them some slack and meet them with an open heart as well as an open mind. And regarding those people who might be negative, mean-spirited, and always down, listen kindly, but don't spend too much time with them, because you become like the people you hang around with. Tactic number six, move from being emotionally fragile to being emotionally resilient. And here's my definition of resilience. Personal resilience What some people think of as psychological body armor is your ability to bounce back and pick yourself up and try again and again and again until you A, either succeed or B, decide on a more productive direction. God wants you to be resilient. God wants you to experience the joys of living a fully engaged life. And I guarantee you, if you take these six tactics to heart, you'll be able to push back that deafening, deadening, numbing power of criticism and be able to push through it in a way that will honor God and enrich your life. Hey, so if you're stuck, you're having a hard time grasping this, or you feel like you need a little bit of help, why not call me? I offer a free, no-charge, 15-minute call to where we can talk about your situation. I can work across state lines as I am a work-life consultant. And if you'd like for more information, why don't you just give me a call at 505-343-2011, 505 
343-2011. Leave me a voicemail and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Hey, I'm John Thurman. Thanks for joining me today. You're listening to my Shortcast Resilient Solutions. For more information about me, check me out at www.johntherman.info or www.johntherman.net. Hey, I wanted to thank you for spending this time with me today. Look forward to being with you next week for John Thurman's Shortcast Resilient Solutions. Take care, God bless, and remember, this is the day that the Lord has made, so I will make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. See you next week.